Bro, 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 bro. Daniel Bryan is the 9-11 of WrestleMania 30. <laughs> it's a joke, right? Oh, but yeah. out of context, that shit sounds terrible. Heel Nakamura is best for business. The uh, Nutcracker Prince or whatever you want to call him. I'm <laughs> all great. About, I'm all about That's it. That's a t-shirt. Well, he was right about this. Well, of course he was, man. He also predicted three other things to happen with that same prediction. Like... Bro, 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 bro. Say hello to the bald guy. And bow down to your king. This is Drive-By. Welcome, welcome. I am Mike Shooter Marcus. With me, as always, the king of nerds, Mike Forrest. We are the Mikes on Mikes. Did I get it? Is that better? Yeah, is you that got better? it. Finally. I got it. I got it. Finally. Finally. Hey, every now and then, Squirrel gets a nut, right, Mike? Yep, every now and again. <laughs> uh, this is one of those weeks, man, where there's not a lot to talk about, but at the same time, there's a whole lot to talk about. There's nothing to talk about, but there's things to talk about within that nothingness. There's nothing to talk about, but there's things that can definitely be discussed. Yeah, and I, I, there's reasons for the nothingness, and that's what we'll be yeah. talking about. Yeah, and to be quite honest with you, man, I think some of our best content comes from the weeks where there's not that much to discuss. So we're going to knock this one out of the park, my good friend. Yeah. So Monday Night Raw, huh? Yeah. That's a thing that still exists, huh? Well, barely if you listen to social media or... Uh, the talking heads in the pro wrestling world. It was not a very well received episode of Monday Night Raw this week. It was not a very well written episode of Monday Night Raw. I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest. I have not watched a full episode of Monday Night Raw as of this recording. That being said, I did watch like the first hour and twenty minutes, and I'm gonna be honest. I enjoyed the whole Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre stuff. Uh, the stuff with Elias. Baron Corbin's weird because he's pretty decent in the ring playing off of other people, and he is horrendous in the back. And I can't figure out why. I don't know if it's because of the crowd or what, but I, he is just awful in the back. Awful. They're, they're asking him to do way more. Way too much. That he should have ever been asked to do. Yep. Yeah, Let's not forget that this was a guy who was so bad at wrestling when he first started that his gimmick <laughs> was, I have matches in under a minute and I never, ever speak. You know who else that sounds like? Roman Reigns. Bill Goldberg. Bill Goldberg. That's true. <laughs> that it does. So, I mean, he's come a long way, but... And I do think that there's a spot. I'm not one of these people that hates Baron Corbin. I actually enjoy Baron Corbin. I think that there's a spot for him in the current WWE, but it's not this spot right here. I actually think the spot he's in right now, if condensed, is a good spot for him. Because, like I said, there are spot, there are points where he shines, and then it, it's like. If you keep going back and going back, you start to see that, you know, it kind of starts to chip away and it's like, hold on, 
there's too much exposure and and that's what's going on is they're exposing him too much so the flaws that he has especially when it comes to I mean he's decent in the ring but it's it's the talking points and the, the mic work that is where he lacks and he's better playing off of certain people especially in front of a crowd and then he is in the back one on one with no crowd and a camera it's just it's there I don't know but it's a whole different world I, but I agree with that he's very good as a reactionary heel yes like his reactions to a face and to a crowd are perfect but backstage when he has to carry it it's just no good the the general manager spots too much for him constable was good because he was like a right hand but now that he's the guy, it doesn't. There's something off about. It's too much. Yep, yep, I totally agree. But Ron, general man, a, a, a bad week overall. I mean, the majority of fans talking just did not enjoy the show, so that can't be ignored. But I guess what I wanted to talk about is how big of a deal is this really, Mike? Because We've discussed before, there's going to be down episodes of anything. This show is just one of many shows. Uh, This is just three hours of what? Let's see, eight to ten hours of minimum weekly produced television this company does, right? Yeah. And it's on 52 weeks a year. There's no break. It doesn't stop. There is no off-season. It just keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. So, I almost think it's... I don't know if the word I'm looking for is inconsiderate. Uh, It's almost arrogant for fans to expect to be on the edge of their seat for every single Monday Night Raw. Don't you agree? I agree to a certain extent with what you're saying. It is... It's borderline ignorant to expect every episode to be edge of your seat TV. However, I don't think that it's asking too much for watchable TV week in and week out. Well, and that's where we can that's where we can agree. Uh, there is also that point, you know. Like to me there's to no excuse for TV being this bad. And I get and I get we've got arguments that we could add into this that we'll get into here in a little bit. But mm-hmm. to me, it's just, and I've got counterpoints for those arguments, but to me, there's no excuse for TV being three hours of unwatchable garbage. Nonsensical, nonsensical, unwatchable garbage. But, but if the stuff that maybe, I don't want to phrase this, if the stuff that maybe wasn't as enticing or engrossing, maybe set some things up for later, then it's worth it, right? I mean, Walking Dead is one of my favorite shows. It has a 16-episode story arc. There's eight episodes. They take a break. There's eight more episodes. And fans, if you want to call them that, constantly complain about certain episodes. This episode was boring. This episode was that. This episode was this. Yet, within that episode, if certain things didn't happen, then the big stuff down the road could have never took place. You get where I'm going with this? And... Even in that 16-episode season, when I'm sitting here saying you have people losing their shit over the fact that there was like six or seven episodes 
that were okay, and then two really good ones, and then the rest were all blah, or however you want to say it. You relate that to Raw again, 52 weeks, 52 episodes a year. You get where I'm going with this? Like, if if companies aren't always able to do 16 episodes a year that are outstanding every single in and out, then to expect Monday Night Raw to do that 52 weeks a year when you have SmackDown, you have NXT, you have 205 Live, you have NXT UK, you have pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view and live event and special and dear God, the amount of production this company does. Uh, again, man, like I get that they do a lot and I can excuse an awful lot, but three hours of unwatchable garbage, man. There's just no excuse for me. <laughs> okay, so let me give you an excuse, Mike. Their top star, the star that, let's be honest, Raw is built around. The star that the Universal Championship was built around, or the future of the Universal Championship, anyway, was built around, uh, has cancer and had to leave. This happened, we'll say about four weeks ago, uh, before two big events, the uh, crown jewel that took place in Parts Unknown, and then, uh, what was the next one? Was Survivor Series? Yeah, Survivor Survivor Series. So, so all that, you know, wound up. We had these storylines. We were going somewhere with that. Clearly, we had the Triple Threat match. We had you know, Braun, Brock, Roman, and all that changed. Now, this is my argument because a lot of people would say, "Well, it doesn't matter. They should have. They should have changed things quicker." Because they're a billion-dollar company and there's no excuse. But I think they were putting things in a place to change it. I don't think things have necessarily... Maybe they're not going as fast as people expect. But if you take a look at SmackDown, they've had things organically happen. And they've had things accidentally happen. And they've just had things go the way they probably planned all along. And the show's still doing pretty good. It's entertaining. It's... You know, a good two-hour watch, and I think that helps as well. But you get where I, what I'm saying. They didn't have a major change other than Becky getting her face broke. And they they swerved there a little bit to see what they might have to adjust, and it looks like they won't have to adjust, adjust much. But that being said, SmackDown's still kind of on pace with where, where it has been for a long time, and Raw is stumbling. And... This has to be a large part of it. Wouldn't you agree? I agree that it's a large part of why um, they're stumbling right now. What my argument to it is because, you know, I knew this was obviously going to be one of the talking points for today. My argument against that is that. If one guy makes this whole show fall apart, like your comparison earlier, The Walking Dead, right? Mm-hmm. So the main character, in the last two seasons, the two arguable, arguably the main characters uh, on The Walking Dead have died. The show is still going strong. It's still happening. It's still going on. They're still putting out new episodes. New main characters have been failed. 
So to me, the fact that one or two guys going down on this show, a show where these one or two guys aren't even really the most popular guys on the show, and the whole show falls apart, just that just further reinforces to me how actually bad this show is, how bad well, it has been. That's I'm all gonna, it does I'm for gonna, me. Because to me, I'm, that's that's absurd. Like two guys you come off your show today. and you don't have anything to do other than, again, three hours of a watchable garbage. No, that okay, is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely absurd. And then and everybody like, oh, okay. Anytime anybody's ever been hurt in the history of this company, someone stepped the fuck up. And we yeah, got something right. better out of it. And we got something right. good that we wouldn't have got it without it. But guess what? We've got all these great guys. The company's not letting anyone step the fuck up. We're getting horrendous, atrocious bullshit shoved down our fucking throats for three hours. And to me, it's just not valid excuse to be like, oh, well, Roman Reigns has cancer. Well, you know what? Steve Austin broke his fucking neck. Like, things happen. The focus of the company gets hurt and things go away. But that doesn't mean that we got two hours of unwatchable bullshit in the fucking 90s. No, it meant we got The Rock and Triple H stepping the fuck up. Like, this is absurd, man. And, like, I'm sorry, it's just not a valid argument to me that Roman and Braun aren't even here. When Seth Rollins is the fucking most popular guy on the show. It does, it's okay. not a valid point to me. Okay, wait a minute. You make a valid point, and I, I can't disagree with what you're saying. That being said... The comparison to Steve Austin. Steve Austin was one guy. Uh, he was this... the focus of the show. Yes, he was. And as Roman is the focus of the show. But Roman was intertwined with The Shield. Roman was intertwined with Dean and Seth. And also, on a on a way, because of the triple threat at Crown Jewel, uh, Braun Strowman. So two of those four are now eliminated and it just shattered in my opinion all these storylines so it's bigger than one guy the one guy any of those guys it hinged but it hinged even bigger because he was the champion so they had to change everything they had to put the belt on someone different they had to do this they had Steve Austin wasn't the champion when he broke his neck no I'll give so you that but I just everything I... has to go out the window and it hinges on not just one guy but four and, and now you have to change other guys on a roster to fit in these other roles that you're going to pull this guy and that guy from because this one guy got hurt. So I think it's a bigger thing than that. While you make complete valid points, I just think it's a different picture than when Stone Cold got his neck broke because Stone Cold was a loner and had no one around him and he feuded with Mr. McMahon and Owen Hart broke his neck. And... I, we weren't even in the Mr. McMahon times by then. If I'm, I could be wrong, but that, that stuff gets blurry. But you get where I'm saying what I'm saying. Roman was intertwined with the Shield, with Braun, with Brock, and you know, on the side, you even have McIntyre and Ziggler because of that whole faction that got wiped away real quick. So this had so many individuals playing so many different roles, and the main character got taken out. And you had to change like six different roles, and then another character gets taken out. So it's just been legit, like, yeah, bad shit after bad shit. And I think they're just adjusting on the fly. Now, that being said, I don't know that they're doing the best job at that. And Monday Night Raw this past week was definitely an example of them not doing the best job at that. It's also this lull period where we're between, you know, Survivor Series Royal Rumble. It kind of gets boring right now. When we hit the Rumble season, it's going to be 
hopefully incredible, like it has been for the last few years when we get into this time period. I mean, I hope you're right. I hope that it does. Because, I mean, honestly, this is only one week. Arguably, the last couple weeks haven't been great. But No, they haven't. And, and um, I can totally see... I know, am hoping the- that maybe this is just... Uh, you know, we're waiting to get into that WrestleMania time of year. So I am trying to be patient with it, but... Man... This is it's un, it's getting unexcusable. Well, they can't all be home runs. Sometimes you have to bunt. You have to get someone on base so that you can score later. And, and I get that. And, and that's how I look at it. I'm definitely not gonna. I'm not one of these guys who's gonna watch it and say, "Well, this was crap." So this company's awful, and I can't believe they would do this. Like I understand sometimes shit happens, and you're not always gonna write the best stuff. I I also kind of see the valid argument that people make that like we're getting Finn Balor versus Braun, or Baron Corbin again, we're getting Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler for the fifteenth time, and I think there was a stat out there that if you watch Raw for like the last I think two and a half months, there was a eighty five percent chance you saw uh, Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler in one this way, is, shape, or form. This is the I believe I saw that it was their fifteenth televised match. Yes, yes, and it was. seventh actual one-on-one singles match. Yes, it was <laughs> something along those lines. But let me say this. Those two never put on a bad match. So if you're just a fan of wrestling, then who the fuck cares? Like, I get it. You want to see something different. But if they're not going to give you something to light up, they, I think it was bad that they framed it as the open challenge because everyone expected a call-up or a surprise return, and then they got Ziggler. It was like, what the hell? Well, the problem is that Dolph Ziggler is in that category with Kane and Mark Henry, where it's like, oh, face guy, you've really made the authority characters angry, so now you're going to face Kane. And it's supposed to be scary, and like this, like punishment, but everybody fucking knows Kane's gonna lose. And Ziggler's so, it's same with Mark Henry. Oh, you're going into the Hall of Pain tonight taking on Mark Henry. But it's like you fucking know Mark Henry's gonna lose. And Dolph Ziggler's the same exact way. Where it's like, man, like I get that this was supposed to be a threat, but <laughs> I mean, we all know he's gonna lose. <laughs> yeah, that's that's And a fair it's point. so disappointing when he's the answer to Open Challenge, Dolph Ziggler, oh fuck. <laughs> Man. It's never Ugh, it's always supposed to be exciting and it never is. And I like poor. Dolph Ziggler, but I say poor Nick Namath. I know. And there was a time when it was <laughs> exciting when it was him, but not anymore. Nah, I would agree. So I guess we can just come to the conclusion that it's not the end of the world, but maybe someone needs to pick up uh, their game a little bit. Yeah, I'm available for hire. <laughs> as long as you keep doing the podcast, it's a-okay with me. Hang tight, guys. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to probably ruffle a little bit of feathers with some of you old school fans. 
Hang tight, we'll be right back. And now, a very special reading from the Nearfall Network Zone, Enzo Amore. In honor of uh, SpongeBob SquarePants creator Stephen Hillenburg passing away, rest in peace to the GOAT, Dezo will be doing a very special reading of the theme song to SpongeBob SquarePants. Dezo believes he may have already done this once, but in light of the current tragedy, Dezo's going back to the well. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain. I can't hear you. Aye, aye, Captain. Oh, who lives on a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. Absorber in yellow and poor, says he. SpongeBob SquarePants. If nautical nonsense be something you wish. SpongeBob SquarePants. The drop on the deck and flop like a fish. SpongeBob SquarePants. Ready? SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob. Square Uh, rest in peace. Alright, Mike, we we're just coming off of the discussion of the awkwardly bad Monday Night Raw this past week. And we're gonna roll that into a discussion of how to fix things that often gets brought up by fans everywhere. You see it on message boards, you see it on Twitter, you see it on Facebook, you see it everywhere. That if they just go back to the Attitude Era, man, everything would be awesome. Right? Yeah, unfortunately. Because if they just, like, crush chop and tell everyone to fuck off and then everything would be awesome. Yeah, that's all we need, man. We just need DX and the Heart Foundation and Stone Cold and the Rock back. Oh yeah, we just we just need four or five of the greatest uh, pro wrestlers that ever lived to make to make a, to make a return hey, in hey. their prime for things hey, to get better. Hey, I want to talk about Smart that just chimed in. Hey, uh, we just had DX versus uh, the Brothers of Destruction. How did that go? I don't know, because I didn't fucking watch it. (laughs) Fair enough. It is funny, though, because this is the conversation that comes up more often than not, that we need a return to the Attitude Era, and, you know, back in the day when the Rock and Stone Cold and DX were there, and blah, 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 and then the same people will cry when a nostalgia act comes back and takes the spot on the WrestleMania card, goddammit! Oh, yeah, it's always the same people. I don't, it's kind of a different discussion. But I don't think necessarily they want those people back. Like, they I get it. The, they want the they writing want the and the stuff. Exactly. They want the attitude. But I'm here to tell you, Mike, they don't really want the attitude back. No. Shit was terrible. <laughs> well, it's not even just that. That's going to be a part of this, Mike, but... I had this on topic for last week in a slightly different way, Mike, and, and I had to cut it because we just had too much stuff to talk about. But we're living in, like, we, you and I, as 
men in our mid-30s grew up basically our formative years watching the frickin' Attitude Era. Yeah. And at the time, when we were like, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, it was flippin' awesome. It doesn't hold up at all, today especially, but that being said, you know, you and I can look back, you know, a lot of our friends can look back and watch and still enjoy what happened in that time period. Wouldn't you agree? Um, not everything, and we'll get to that, but in yeah, general. Yeah, I think, I think the things you remember, you can watch and enjoy, because I think that's a big part of what we're going to get into later, is that oh. most people only remember the good. And the, the bad good. stuff you remember is generally, like, historically bad stuff. Right. You don't remember, right. like, the week-in, week-out bad stuff. No, and we are 100% going to cross that bridge, but the point that I want to make before we go any further, Mike, is everyone crying for the Attitude Era, and we are right now in the era of the oversensitive wrestling fan, okay? When you have fans crying on Twitter and crying on Facebook and crying on their YouTube shows that... How dare Dean Ambrose say that Roman Reigns has to answer to God because of what the Shield did? I thought that was actually a pretty good line. I did too. It it makes sense. It I mean it doesn't make sense because we don't know what, how why the Shield were such bad guys. They haven't explained that yet. That's a whole other topic. But it makes sense story wise. It makes sense kayfabe wise. And you think he didn't call Roman? Yeah. Like, do you think he didn't call... Like, these guys... I'll be breaking kayfabe here. These guys are really good friends in real life. (laughs) No. Like, do you think that he didn't call Roman? Like, do you think that moment they shared at the top of the fucking stage when they were all crying was was fake? (laughs) No, that was a real fucking moment in wrestling. That was one of the best moments we've had in wrestling all year. So, right, right. Uh, because as is so often the case in wrestling, real moments are the best. So do you right. think and that he didn't to... call his buddy and was like, hey, man, I'm going to say this line, but I need to know if it's cool with you? Yeah. Right. Chill, and, chill the fuck and, and the real moments are what, you know, when you play off of those real moments continuing into the story, it makes it better. Mm-hmm. And that is what the Attitude Era did a lot of. But when we try to do it now, everyone cries. You know, uh, Mike, Becky Lynch got her face broke. And as much as, and this is a whole other topic, but Nia Jax is badly playing off of it. Like, people were upset about that. And I do recall a time where Owen Hart dropped the biggest star in the company on his head broke his neck, and then wore a shirt that said, Owen 316, I just broke your neck. Wore it for like two weeks, though. <laughs> but I mean... But still, like, that's badass. He came out and talked shit every week about it. He talked shit about it until the end of his career. Yeah. I broke yeah. your neck, Austin. Like, any time he ever talked to Austin, he mentioned breaking his neck. And it just... Like, I just don't understand, you know, people were complaining about 
oh, now we're doing pee jokes because Drake Maverick peed on Bobby Roode's robe. Attitude Era was full of pee jokes. Oh, yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin hunted down Mr. McMahon with a fake fucking gun and Mr. McMahon peed himself. Yeah. The boss of the, like, everyone was all up in arms, like, they're making AOP look like a joke, and they made the his, their manager pee their pants, and this is awful. Vince McMahon peed himself on, well, I mean, legit not for real, but you get what I'm saying. Like, the gag was done by Mr. McMahon himself. What's that old saying? They always say Vince will never do ask someone to do something he wouldn't do on TV himself. Exactly. And well, he he's it. already done it, folks. It, it's happened. So, and it wasn't a pee like, joke. That's the thing. Like, it wasn't a pee joke. I mean, right. it was. The first one kind of was. But he's a fucking... He's a, a small heel character. Right. Like, I would be Drake Maverick. Like, look, like, like, word up, I'm a little dude. Like, <laughs> like, I am a little dude. If I was on pro wrestling... And I'm not, like, little, little. But if I... Like, but I'm pro wrestling little. And right. if I was on pro wrestling, I would be Drake Maverick. And that would be the character I would expect to play. A dude who is scared of large motherfuckers because he's a little motherfucker. And yeah, he peed himself. Like, that's not... And it's... Haha, it's funny, but it also shows, like, the badassness. Uh, you know? Uh, and then... Uh, badassness of the other guys. Not him for peeing himself. But the comeback, the him peeing on the road, that's not a pee joke. That's fucking disrespect. Right. And that's what wrestling's built on, so I don't see why we have a problem with him peeing on someone's rope. That I don't get. I don't get the, 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 like, okay, Raw was bad, but it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like we forgot how wrestling is written bad. That's how, like, people were acting, like, 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 it was so bad that fans forgot how wrestling works, and we're like, oh my god, he's doing a pee joke of peeing on the rope. What? No, man, that's retaliation and disrespect. Have we forgot what the fuck we're watching? Right, right. Like, there's a and, lot to complain about from Raw, but that was the dumbest complaint I saw tonight. the night. Mike, it's because everyone is looking for an angle to be outraged about something now. And it, it just, we had this discussion, and I know you disagree with me a little bit, but it goes back to when Jinder Mahal was making fun of Nakamura for his facial expressions. Was it a little racist or... I don't even know if that's the correct term, but you get where I'm going with this. Yeah, probably a little bit, but that being said, they did that shit in the attitude all the time, and no one threw a red flag. Yeah, it was a different time. It's a completely I've actually really softened on my stance on that gender facial thing. Right, because it wasn't... You could take it as a, you know, making fun of Japanese, but in all aspects of it, you could just mm -hmm. take it that he was making fun of his face. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, it, it just comes to, it just all goes together to just prove that the Attitude Era will never work again because the people that claim they want it the most really aren't ready for it to come back. No, they're not. Because and was, I think because it was dumb. It was dumb, man. Well, it was dumb, and, and there's shit that would just be so offensive to you that you wouldn't be able to deal with it. Well, and I think that's where we need to go now, Mike, because 
fans have such rose-colored glasses when it comes to the Attitude Era. And the first thing I'll say is the wrestling sucked. Yeah, it was not good. Did we get some good... Did, were there good matches in the Attitude Era? Yeah. Yes. Did we have some amazing Hall of Famers come out of the Attitude Era? Absolutely. But all in all, the the roster back then couldn't hold a candle to the talent of what is in not just WWE, but just pro wrestling in general right now. I, you can't even argue with that. I don't... It was a time when characters were... More important, maybe, than they ever were. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. And you can argue, you know, the 80s and early 90s characters were important, but I don't mean character like, oh, he's a fucking prison guard. or <laughs> You know, I mean characters like you really had to go out there and be a character. Like, you had right. to be a, an exaggerated, over-the-top personality, and that really had a lot more... Uh, traction at the time than putting on a good wrestling match. Good wrestling matches were uh, reserved for the undercard, like uh, the first couple matches between Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. All those good tag yep. matches. That shit was relegated to yep. the undercard. But let's, you know, I, I did reach out uh, to some of our MVPs, and actually uh, one of our very own, Jim Vest, gave some of the best examples. But Oh yeah, this dude. I, the, let's talk about Mr. Vest. <laughs> This dude, uh, we've discussed this before privately, him and I. This dude like has like a real passion for for like really taking it to the attitude era. He's very <laughs> good at it. Sometimes we just need to get him on here just to like rant about the attitude era. Yes, definitely. Or get him to do a video maybe for the page. We'll figure something out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I-, I wanted examples of just some of the bad shit. Because, like Mike said, you remember the good, and, and you kind of forget the bad. But, like, this is what the Attitude Era gave us, guys. Like, uh, uh, remember when Big Boss Man had the kennel from Hell match because he fed Al Snow his own dog? Yeah. I mean, we're not making this up. This is a legit wrestling storyline, and somebody just died in your neighborhood. Yeah, man. I live in the town of death. <laughs> or uh, another example. Uh, I actually, I'm going to, now I haven't watched this, but I thought this was hilarious when it happened. I'm sure it doesn't hold up very well, but Kai and Ty trying to chop off Val Venus's penis. And making the save, none other than John Bobbitt. And if you don't get the reference and understand why that's hilarious, <laughs> then just Google that shit. You know, I did watch this recently, within like the last year, because they were talking about it on uh, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Right. And I try and go back and watch. I always look at what the upcoming week's going to be. And if it's something especially interesting to me during that time period, I'll go back and watch highlights you can get on Google or YouTube and just type in like monthly highlights and shit and so I'll watch some of it and I came across that and you know man it kind of still holds up <laughs> like the the Bobbit reference Bobbit obviously is like doesn't do great but he doesn't do awful you all may know that John Bobbit got himself somewhat of an acting career 
after this. Google it. So, <laughs> um, but it's not. It's not. It didn't. You know, it didn't. I wasn't like, what a great bit of fucking wrestling comedy. I was just <laughs> like, all right. Yeah, I remember this. So it I doesn't mean... hold up, but it doesn't not hold up. But it is something that today would cause a bunch of fucking... Or not, man. Maybe someone getting his dick cut off today would be A-okay in this age of heightened feminism. Ah, I still don't think it would be A-okay. I mean, another example that the amazing Attitude Era gave us is uh, Mae Young and Mark Henry having a relationship and then Mae Young giving birth to a hand? Yeah, okay, I want to talk about this for a minute. (laughs) This is maybe one of my all-time most fucking hated segments in wrestling. And I don't just don't mean say. I don't just mean the hand, baby. You remember earlier when I was talking about like you forget the week in, week out terrible shit that they had? This fucking right. relationship went on for months. Forever. Forever. Week in, week out. They got ten solid minutes devoted to Mark Henry fucking an old lady in a hotel room. Mark Henry dancing around spraying whipped cream on himself for an old lady in a hotel room. It was always in a hotel room, them doing some nasty shit. <laughs> And I fucking hated it at the time. I it was it, it I, and I still fucking hate it. Like, it, but at the time, oh my gosh! Anytime it came on, I just I, I I absolutely hated it, hated it. And it was just the never-ending fucking terrible segment. I'm yeah, done. It, I'm done with that rant now. But good god. It, well, I mean, I mean, it's just ridiculous, and that's what I mean when people talk about how great it was. I, I mean. And you want to talk about, you know, you don't like Dean Ambrose bringing up Roman's cancer, which he didn't actually say that. And, I mean, yes, it is related to real life. But, I mean, there was a time where the Ministry of Darkness put a noose around Big Boss Man's neck and hung him from the hell in a cell. That did happen. Or, yeah. And again, I don't have a problem with this, and I actually thought it was kind of cool, but I could totally see why other people would have a problem with it, but they once crucified Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it either, but I could see why people do, or would. Um, I played in my church band at the time, and I didn't have a problem with it. But I was also 17. I, adult me... Look, man, if it was a cross, I'd probably have a real problem with it, right? (laughs) It was a symbol. But it was a symbol. It was. It was a symbol. It was. It had been the Undertaker symbol for a long-ass time. Yes, it had. And so they crucified him on it. I mean, yeah, but, I, I mean... Look, I watch horror movies where motherfuckers get crucified by demonic groups <laughs> all the time. And I don't have a problem with it because it's a horror movie. So why do I have a problem with it? I can't have a problem with it if spooky magic wrestling guy does it. Right, because it's completely unfair. And I'm being serious. It's completely unfair to hold wrestling to a higher standard than Hollywood, 
when they're just making entertainment. That, yes, both, it's both entertainment aspects. based it's on entertainment. satanic groups. Like, I'm not... It's cool. I got you. Right on. We don't have yep. a problem. Yep. But, I mean, of course we are going to... But people would have problems with that today. It would be an outrage. Yeah, 100%. And that's the thing. Like, when it comes to the Attitude Era, of course we're going to remember Stone Cold pouring cement in a Corvette. We're going to remember the beer bath. We're going to remember the milk bath. We're going to remember the blood baths. We're going to remember all the cool stuff that you could probably still do today and get away with. Because of the way the storytelling was, it worked then, it would probably work now. But there was way more bad than good when it came to the storytelling in the Attitude Era. Oh, I totally agree. Way more bad than good. Vince Russo was uh, extremely hit or miss. And what hit really hit, but what missed really missed. (laughs) Really missed, like... Because honestly, if you were to ask someone their favorite parts of the Attitude Era, you're gonna get the you're gonna get the same answers from everyone, right? The Rock, Steve Austin, DX. Um, There might be an outlier there for like uh, what they Taker, the Acolytes. Uh, You know, I know people enjoy what Mick Foley was doing, but no one's going to tell you the fucking headbangers. No right. one's going to tell you the fucking oddities. They're going to be like, oh yeah, ICP was in WWE for a minute. Like, they're not going to tell you that stuff because that stuff was bad. And that stuff was what, oh, gold dust, dressing up like uh, a woman. That shit was, <laughs> I don't care what Bruce Pritchard says, that shit was terrible. Um... That's the stuff that filled the show. Right. That's what the show was, guys. And So we remember a third of the show being really good, but two-thirds of it kind of sucked. Yep. Yep. And that, that's just, <laughs> to steal a phrase from the time, that's just the bottom line. When we come back, Mike, We're going to get into a little bit of dirt in a way. Uh, Somebody has a lot of not nice things to say about some people, and maybe it's true, maybe it's not. And maybe it's just people looking for something to argue about and take a stance about. I don't know. We're going to take a look at it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to see what we think about the war between Lars Sullivan and Ringside News. Hang tight. We'll be right back. this but i know that you saw it i know that if you follow the the i i guess website you probably see more of it on facebook but ringside news a constant in our dirt segment when we do it mike uh hand job jenkins but in the last week basically since the uh vignettes for a 
call-up for Lars Sullivan has taken place, Ringside News went, I guess, took on a personal mission to try and destroy his career before it ever got started on the main roster. And it's kind of a head-scratcher to me. I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't understand it at all. I'll tell you how I feel about it. Um, I don't think that it's a personal mission to destroy his career. I do think that they got turned on to something. I'm not going to say exclusively, but before everyone else. And they were trying to run with it as hard as they could. Well, but... I have a problem even thinking that it's legit. I honestly haven't looked into it. Um, I haven't done any research on it to find out if it's legit. Usually, when things like this happen, I do look into them. If you are a frequent listener to the show, you know that we do research this. I have not cared enough because it does seem really kind of solely driven by ringside news. Well, and that's why I that that's why I wanted to talk about it, and that's why I was same thing. I was like, I need to find more of this out, but nobody's talking about this. I have. I mean, seen I've heard I've heard a few things here and there. Pro wrestling defiance. I've seen has started picking up on it in the last few days, but I haven't seen. Um, really, I haven't seen the New Age Insiders give it much coverage. If any, I haven't. I haven't seen Meltzer really give it much coverage, if any. Mm-hmm. And I hate to Keller say, has not Keller said anything about has it. not said anything about Ryan Satin has talked a little bit about it, but it hasn't been that much. So, and can I say something about Ryan Satin? If there was smoke here, and Satin picked it up, there'd be a fucking fire. Yeah. So, especially Ryan Satin and. Um, Uncle Dave. The Dave. Uh, so, <laughs> I think those two especially um, like to jump on hard-hitting rumors. But I feel like if they're kind of holding at bay on it, then there's probably not a lot of weight to the story. And this is why it's weird, because for like three days, four days, five days straight, I'm just going to read you some, some of the headlines. Uh, first and foremost, if you have no idea what we're talking about, Ringside News started to publish uh, stories that basically they were informed, and this is where I'm unclear, so I'll give them the benefit of this doubt. I'm not sure how it was confirmed that this message board uh, uh, writer or contributor to this message board I'm not sure how this account can be directly linked, 100% confirmed that it is Lars Sullivan's account. Oh, his name's that's Lars where... Sullivan WWE on it. <laughs> that's, that's 10 years that's old. Where... It's a 10-year-old MMA website. Uh, but, that's, you know. Yeah. That's that's where I'm not sure. So, I don't want to completely discredit it at the same time. I, I haven't seen anything in the articles to explain to me fully how they figured out, hey, this is all him, and it's 100% sure that it's him. But anyway, Future saying that he said all this stuff on these message boards, these bodybuilding message boards, and let's see. Th- this was literally like just 
message after message, post after post by Ringside News. And I'm just going to give you their headlines. Lars Sullivan calls Ring of Honor wrestlers vanilla midgets and vastly overrated. They they edited the I in midgets because apparently it's very offensive. You can't say midget anymore, bro. Unless they're wrestlers because midget wrestling is still a thing, guys. Uh, Lars Sullivan said Bobby Lashley is clearly a steroid abuser in message board rant. These are like I'm not these are like hours apart. Uh let's see. There's another one with the picture out. Laura Sullivan message board exchange included homophobic slurs. Uh let's see. Laura Sullivan was told he would be in Impact Wrestling a decade ago. Like some of them aren't even like that's where I had the issue. They would just throw Lars's name up there with not like from something negative to something that didn't even have anything to do with that, but we're still talking about Lars. Lars Sullivan discovered making derogatory comments about Stephanie McMahon on a message board. <laughs> Lars Sullivan caught using racist jokes in a message board. Lars Sullivan claimed he got with Ronda Rousey on a message board. That was the one I was waiting for. <laughs> Hold on, wait, this one. Lars Sullivan said... That KFC is for lower class people. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not. He's not. <laughs> I had. I have like a, a relative who had their wedding catered by KFC. Ooh. Yeah. They live in Tennessee, so you know. Shocker. Eh, it is what it is. Continue. That, that, that's all I have. But I, it was just. Headline after headline about he said this, he said that. It was all under this this account that was on a body. I don't know if it was bodybuilding.com or whatever it was, but on these message boards, wrestling message boards, bodybuilding message boards, whatever. And it just was like, it was the sheer amount of headline and story that was basically repeating the same thing with a different framework and this, that, and the other that I was like, wait a minute. This is like a personal vendetta at this point. Yeah, it seems that way. It really does, <laughs> though. It just... And I mean, like I said earlier, I, I really personally don't think it's a vendetta. I think they just think that they got hip to something early and were trying to get the most out of it. And well, controversial point... posts were the best way to go in their mind. But it really does seem like personal vendetta. Well, here's the next here's the next step of this, Mike, and I'll almost let this one slip my mind. I did screenshot it here. Ringside on their Twitter account tweeted out, "Let's see if we hear back from WWE," and screenshotted a email to an Adam Hopkins. I don't know. I'm assuming that's someone in talent relations at WWE, uh, and it says. It has links to the stories and says, does WWE care to comment on Lars Sullivan's actions on the bodybuilding discussion board? And they were supposedly going to send this email to this Adam Hopkins, who, like I said, I'm not 100% who that is, but I'm assuming it's something to do with talent relations or HR at WWE. Like, to me, that right there is the biggest cry for look at my website that there could be. Yeah, and completely, like, I've never seen, I can't stand motherfucking Dave Meltzer, but I have never seen him 
type up an email and then screenshot it and say, let's see what Vince thinks about this. Never. Not once. Not one time ever. So, it's just kind of odd. And I want to bring it back, and this was my main point of this whole thing, Mike. All of these comments, if they were said, they're like 10, 11, 12 years old, Mike. These aren't like things he said yesterday. These are things that if he said them, he said them before he was in NXT, and you know that WWE does a hardcore social media search on you. When you sign their contracts, they look into your background and they, they don't want this shit creeping up. So either they couldn't find it and Ringside News somehow did, they found it and didn't care, or it's all horseshit. But which, the other aspect... Which is more the likely. Other, right, and the other aspect I want to take... To the, let's just assume this is real, Mike. This is the whole world we live in where everything is different. We live in the world of social media. We live in the world of everything you say is now out there. But I know for a fact, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 12 years ago... I was a different person on social media than I am today. I was 26. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. 25, 26. Me on social media, I could be even, a monster even on Twitter. five to six years ago. Right. Horrible so, shit. Like, I don't want to say you shouldn't be held responsible, but that being said, I think it's unfair to crucify somebody for something they may have said, and you don't always know the way they're saying things, I know like oh, okay, racism is not a joke you're, you're right, okay but sometimes things are said and read out of context and it doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means is that fair? yeah so, should we be holding Lars Sullivan accountable for every little thing he said in a community of bodybuilders or wrestling fans, or wherever. I, most of these sound like they were taken from a bodybuilding forum. And let me tell you, knowing a pro IFBB bodybuilder, that's a grimy world, brother. Right, that's what I'm and saying. There like, are some let's shady look people at the there. other comments on these threads. I bet they're equally fucking disgusting. Uh, of course, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, and that doesn't justify it, but I'm saying. You have to take into account where he was at talking about this shit and who he was talking to and that time in his life because unfortunately and sometimes fortunately the the social media world we live in now gives you a snapshot of what someone was like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We didn't have that, you know, we didn't have that growing up, but like it's going to be 50 years ago. You, you know, our, when our kids, well, my kids, when my kids are our age, they're going to have this in their entire life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're going to be able to see what that kid was like when he was 11, 12 years old on social media and was a little dick. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's so going to be a weird time for that? where they start digging it, it, up like shit politicians said when they were like 10. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... It's just a weird, weird time. It's a weird, weird transition. I don't get the hate for Lars Sullivan. I mean, I'm not a fan of him personally as, like, his work in the ring. He's all right. I'm curious to see what he does, but I'm not, like, super pumped that he's coming to the main roster. That being said, 
I'm not going to like hate on him for something that somebody supposedly dug up where I'm not even sure if it's true from 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. No one deserves to be like have a character assassinated over some dumb shit that was taken out of context. I couldn't agree more, man. You know what we should all be happy about? Is that they didn't record any of us that were on Xbox Live at the dawn of that. Ooh, you ain't kidding. Yeah. And with that, (laughs) I think we need to wrap it up. (laughs) Yeah. Coming next week. Coming soon. Not next week, but soon. Soon (laughs) Soonish. Definitely not next week. Soonish. Shooting at the mothership. Comprehensive review. WCW Saturday night. Home of the mothership here on TBS 6.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, baby. With the Near Fall Network's own Mike Shooter Marcus. And it's Sister Ship. Sister Ship. It's two weeks in a row I've done that. Sister Ship. Feeling the burn. In-depth dissection. WCW or WWF slashy Sunday Night Heat. Featuring Near Fall Network's own Shooter Mike Marcus. Coming soon to a podcast near you. Uh, yeah. Hey, before we wrap up, mm-hmm. just a thought. Yeah. Random thought I had. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to have a quit doing that. I know you're not. Uh, is there any chance... Like, percentage-wise, let me just throw this out to you. Percentage-wise, what is the percentage that all of the things we talked about with the all-elite wrestling, the trademarks, and this, that, and the other are red herrings purposely put out there by those guys? 50%. I think that's a fair percentage. I'd probably go even 40, 45, but it was just a thought that occurred to me while I was driving at work. I was like, what if they're just screwing with all of us? Because they would, these those guys would be the guys to do that. Way to bring up something that everybody'd like to hear about at the end of the show. Yeah, teaser. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not, guys. I say it every week. It's been real. It's been fun. We will catch you next time. You guys are beautiful. We love you. Have a dream. These animals are fucking all real. Hi, it's me, Celebrity Bigfoot Hunter Mark Wahlberg. How's your mother? Tell her I said hello. Tell her her hair looks nice. Ask her where she gets it done. My wife is looking for a new place now that we're in Ohio. That's right, Ohio! My brother Donnie, you might be familiar with my brother Donnie. Uh, he was in a very popular uh, pop group in the early 90s called The New Kids on the Block. Never forget, Donnie, that I was a pop star also, Donnie. And I didn't need four other young gentlemen to help me there. Donnie, it was me, Marky Mark, and the Funky Bunch. It wasn't the Funky Bunch featuring Marky Mark. It was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. You were just the new kids on the block. There were five of you. You were a new, a kid on the block. Which one were you? Were you the block? You were blockhead, Donnie. So, if you listen to last week's episode of Hunting for the uh, Finding Bigfoot, Searching for the High Five Motherfucker, whatever you want to call it. We don't have a name yet. It's just something we're, we're doing. After we left Applebee's, I decided, you know, I'm getting kind of tired of both these guys. 
Maybe I need some space. So I went back to Mark Wahlberg's Celebrity Auto Mall, located in glorious Columbus, Ohio, home of the Ohio State Buckeyes, greatest, base, greatest football team on earth, greatest collegiate athletics ever. That's right. I'm sorry, Boston. It's true. The Buckeyes have you beat. It is what it is. They don't give a damn for the whole state of Michigan. They don't say M's here. It's really weird. I don't. I haven't figured that whole thing out yet, Donnie. Like, why don't they say that? Because Michigan has an M. Okay. Well, I, all right. Calm down, Donnie. All right. Don't get upset, Donnie. You has been naturalized to Ohio. He's a Buckeyes fan now. It's insane. I'm not even allowed saying M's anymore. If his name was Dommy, we wouldn't be able to say it. <laughs> Dommy. Dommy. Anyway, I need my own space. So I said, we got to go back to Mark Wahlberg's Celebrity Auto Mall, located in glorious Columbus, Ohio. And we've got to trade this SUV in for RV. So now we've got an RV, plenty of space. I can lean out. I can stretch out. I can watch TV. I can go take a nap. I can take shit while we're driving. It's crazy. It's got a microwave and a kitchen. We stopped. We got Hot Pockets. Donnie was like, yo, what about these ones? I said, Donnie, those are Link Pockets. I don't I don't care to be uh, for the flaky crust. It's like a croissant. Croissant, Donnie. I don't want broccoli and cheese. I want pepperoni. Get, get Hot Pockets. Donnie, I'm the fourth biggest actor in the world. We can afford Hot Pockets. So now we're making Hot Pockets. And we're on our way to find the high-fiving motherfucker. But the problem is... The Donnie, Stephen, myself, we all forgot that in Ohio, it's deer season. We walked out in the woods to look for Bigfoot. They started shooting guns at us. They were like, yo, you got to wear bright orange. We don't want bright orange. Why would you wear bright orange? But you have to wear bright orange in the woods. We don't have any bright orange, but we do have a RV. So we're just camping this week. And I'll be honest. I'm starting to fucking hate both these guys. Steve Irwin uh, is the rudest ghost ever. And he keeps trying to drink beer. And he's just making puddles all over the place. He keeps trying to eat food. He keeps just in the grill. Like he's like, let's throw another shrimp on the barbie. And all he does is just dump beer on the grill. I don't even think he knows what it means. And Donnie. Oh. Donnie. Never forget Donnie. I'm the fourth biggest actor in the world. You might be considered a better actor than me. But no one will remember who you are. Other than Mark Wahlberg's brother Donnie. So that's where we're at this week. Steve! Crikey! I was just outside. Surveying the land. There's hunters everywhere. Steve, if you're not careful, you'll get shot. I'm a ghost, mate. They go right through me. Which is also frustrating when I'm trying to drink beer. When you're trying to drink a beer? When I'm trying to drink a beer. A beer? A beer. Oh, you mean a beer. Okay. What did you think I meant? I can't understand you. You sound, uh, uh ridiculous. I honestly... Crikey, mate. See, what happens when you die... is sometimes your brain gets a little scrambled. You meet all your older relatives... And all your ancestors. And sometimes your voice mixes with them. Maybe you have someone from Britain. Maybe you have someone from Australia. Maybe you have someone from Boston. And it all kind of jumbles up. 
Oh, so that's why you sound like you can't do a proper Australian accent. Okay, fair enough. Crikey, that's why. Oh, well, that's where we are this week. I'm finding Bigfoot, searching for the high-fiving motherfucker. Hopefully next week the hunters will be gone. What? Hey, Donnie, you got any hot pockets? I'm a hungry ghost. Donnie, don't don't you give him a hot pocket, Donnie. Donnie, you know what he's going to do with it. Donnie, don't give him the hot pocket. Donnie! Donnie, he can't even hold it. You just handed it and it just fell. This has happened like six times. We've wasted like six hot pockets. Donnie, could you put that in the microwave for me, please, sir? Don't do it, Donnie. Don't do it, Donnie. Donnie! Oh! I hate both of you. I hate you both so man, much. Sir. I hate you both so much. I'm going back into the bedroom. I'm going to take a nap. Wake me up. Wake me up when deer season is over. Come on, Mike. We got to make sure we get out there and we find a high-fiving motherfucker.